Hey Boulevard Church, this is Pastor Wes, the pastor of Boulevard Church. <laughs> okay, well it's so good to see you guys this morning. I love you guys. Um, I really, really miss you. Uh, if you miss me too, just say I miss you down in the comments because we need you guys to comment more because it helps with the algorithms. But also because I just love to see you. You know what? Actually, let's just do this right now. Put your favorite emoji just down in the comments below. And I'll wait. I'll wait for your emojis. Oh, that's a good one. I'm just kidding. Okay, but like post your favorite emojis right now. Um, so we are diving in and continuing our one year long sermon series called The Three Pillars. That's a great emoji, Chris. I see it. Fantastic. Um, the Three Pillars. And we are basically preaching what are the three pillars of Boulevard Church. We're not a perfect church. Uh, we, we, we strive to be, but we fail all the time because God is good, right? Um, but, but we attempt to live these things out because we truly believe that as a people and as a community, if we lived and died on these three pillars, uh, our church would be successful. Our church would impact the loss. Our church would be a place that broken people could come to be healed. And our church would be a place where people find forgiveness, they find healing and they find wholeness in the name of Jesus. And so what are these three pillars you ask? Thanks for asking. Um, they are first and foremost is our personal relationship with Jesus. So we preached about a four month series maybe three months, and we called it First Love. And the reason why we called it First Love is because we believe your first love should be Jesus Christ, your relationship with God. There is nothing more important, no relationship with a friend, with a spouse, uh, none, of your, none of your jobs or your responsibilities, not even your children, right? There is nothing more important than your relationship with God. Um, and if you really begin to iron out your relationship with God, God has a habit of ironing out the rest of our lives. Now, with that being said, what's the second pillar of our um, church, might you ask? Well, thanks for asking, guys. Uh, the second pillar is heart for the house. Heart for the house is basically, um, our, our pillar is your relationship with your local community of believers. So we believe you need to have a good relationship with God and you have to have a good relationship with Christians that meet together under leadership, right? Because that's the definition of a church. You need God, leaders, and parishioners, right? And so we need all of that to come together. And we believe that God's called us to have a heart for our house, not just to be in our house, not just to sit there and throw tithes in the bucket, but to have a heart for it, to sacrifice for it, to be a part of something bigger than ourselves as we pick up this vision together. Because guys, this isn't possible unless all of us pick it up together. Um, churches preach and they kind of carry themselves in a way like, oh, these five leaders are going to carry everything. Nah, you missed me with that. Boulevard's going to tank and fail unless all of us come together and lift it up because I wouldn't want to succeed in a church that's only being carried by five or six people. That's not a church that's a show, right? But lastly, our third pillar is evangelism, right? So you need to have a close personal relationship with God, a relationship with your local community of believers, and a relationship with the lost and broken through evangelism. Uh, we haven't actually preached that series yet, but it'll be called On Your Street and In Your City because that's the tagline of our church. You see see what I did there? Uh, but we are still on the second pillar, heart for the house. And uh, so I'm going to dive right in. I'm going to talk to you guys about a sermon I'm calling a lifestyle of encouragement. I want us, Boulevard Church, to be a church that has a lifestyle of encouragement. Not that we encourage when we feel like we should, but we encourage constantly. I want us to be a church of people who are encouraged and who encourage others. And so when I go through seasons where I'm down and out, that God, the Bible, and the people around me are going to pick me back up and encourage me in my calling. Um, amen? 
And the reason why I want to talk about this, I want to kind of preface this a little bit. Um, last week we preached on hope. And I'm going to reference back to that right here in the beginning. And so if you haven't watched that message, I really encourage that you do watch it after this sermon. And the reason is, is because I'm going to talk about this right now. Um, last week we talked about hope. And I really feel like God is doing something in the sense of hope, belief. I feel like these last few sermons as we really... I messed with the mic, my bad. Um, as we really start diving and we really start finishing out this series on the heart for the house, I think we're going to start hitting the emotions of all, all of this. If you really look at these last two months, we've talked a lot about the theology, what it's supposed to look like, the structure of the church. But I want to talk about us. Now, as individuals, as people, where our emotions are at with God. And I think hope is so important. Um, but when I talked, I was talking with Pastor Thomas, or I was talking with someone. Is Pastor Thomas. And we were talking about the hope message, and I asked him a question that I like to ask him every week after I'm done preaching. Hey, man, how was it? And Pastor Thomas told me it was amazing, right? He told me I'm the greatest thing that's ever existed ever, um, that, that he created an altar to me in his house, that it's paganism, but, you know, at least he was really moved. I'm just kidding. Um, that's not Pastor Thomas at all. But he did tell me it was a really great message that really got the small groups talking. And that's kind of the thing I've heard this week is people start to talk to each other about the hopes within them. And for me, that's a win, right? So if people start to talk about the hopes inside of them, then the sermon on hope was a success. Slam dunk boom Kobe did right I yeeted it whichever one applies Kobe is precision and accuracy so I Kobe did um was I talking about again uh no so um but I was talking to him about it and he goes the only thing is um he goes it, it kind of seemed like a youth message Right, and, and I wanted to address that to the church. The reason I wanted to address that to the church is not that he was calling it a youth message, but the fact is I talked about Thanos, I talked about Marvel, uh, I told a story about destroying children and dodgeball, and I stand by that story, by the way. It's one of the most anointed stories I've ever told in my life. Like, God was really moving. Like, it wasn't me, it was him in me. Like, that made that message so powerful on destroying those children. Um, but here's my thing. I think we've gotten to a place where any message on hope seems childish because we've all been beaten up so much that the concept of hope seems like something in a far gone place or seems like something that you grow out of as you get older. And I don't think that should be the gospel. I think I should be able to have a lot more adult examples about hope. But the truth of the matter is, when we think of hope, and we think of bravery, and we think of good overcoming evil, and we think of destiny, right, like a God destiny, like a God's calling on our lives, we tend to think of these cartoony characters because these are the characters that have hope and then we grow up and then we get older and our movies and our media and the things we consume are about how bad life is right that's the most famous shows that come we, we have Dexter right that was like this huge show it was about a serial killer uh, House was really big it was winning all kinds of awards for a while these shows are so cynical and our heroes have become cynical people I mean look at the Game of Thrones the whole point of the Game of Thrones is life sucks then you die like that's the Game of Thrones in a nutshell but this was the power Powerhouse series just recently that as we grow up we stop dreaming we stop believing in hopeful things and the concept of hope becomes childish and so I want with all of that I want to read you a quote by Ravi Zacharias as we dive into a message on a lifestyle of encouragement Ravi Zacharias said this the tragedy with growing up is not that we lose our childishness 
I'm gonna say that again because it's childishness and I just can't continue a sentence where I didn't say that right. Uh, the tragedy with growing up is not that we lose our childishness, it is, in, mm, wow, <laughs> ooh, we're not gonna edit this out either. You guys get to just experience this with me. I mean, we're live. Um, the tragedy with growing up is not that we lose our childishness in its simplicity, but that we lose childlikeness in its sublimity, right? So if you don't know what that means, that basically the, Ravi Zacharias was saying the problem with growing up is not that we lose simplicity because life is complicated. It really is. And I don't think simplicity is the essence of childhood, but sublimity is the essence of childhood. This things are sublime. Things fill me with awe and wonder that I have a hope that I can still dream and believe big things. Like the, the travesty of growing up, the travesty, right? Because Travis, um, the travesty of growing up is not that things stop being simple. It's not that we have bills. It's not that life hits us but is that we stop being awed and in wonder of great things. Um, I think it was Francis Bacon that says knowledge is the end. Um, knowledge is the end of wonder. That's what he says. That knowledge is the death of wonder. I didn't, that wasn't in my notes. I just remembered the quote. So you know, it's gonna, um, that knowledge is the death of wonder. That as we grow, as we learn, as we know, wonder is gone. We lose wonder. And I think with Jesus, we're supposed to have it back because we don't know anything anymore. We know that God is good. We're like the woman at the well, right? We go and we're preaching this message. And what does she say? What does she preach? She doesn't know theology. She doesn't know the Bible. She doesn't know this or that. She met Jesus and she went and told people about Jesus. She didn't know eschatology. She didn't know if she was a Calvinist or an Armenianist. She didn't know Rome. Roman. She didn't study the Bible. She didn't grow up hearing the gospel. Here's what she knew. She knew I met a man and he changed my life completely. And that kind of hope of like, man, I don't know what the future is, but I know that I met someone that so radically changed my life, so radically gave me a future that I'm willing to die and live for this man. And that I am going to sacrifice my life for him. And I'm going to see great things. I'm going to see signs. I'm going to see wonders. I'm going to see people come to the Lord. I'm going to see lives change for the better. I'm going to see my life change for the better that kind of hope how do we cultivate that kind of hope in our lives because we talked about hope last week but this week I want to talk about encouragement because encouragement is what's going to keep hope alive do you when we lose encouragement when we stop believing big things here's what happens we lose our hope so how can we be a church that remains hopeful well the truth is we have to be a church that remains encouraging do you encourage the person who's fallen down 10 times? Do you encourage them to get up the 11th? Do you encourage people back to Jesus? When someone's telling you about how bad their life is or how much they suck, do you sit them down and speak their future to them? I don't know. Do we do that? But I want to be a church that does that. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen, Christina. Say amen in the comments because I, you know what? Put this in the comments. I want to be a church that encourages. I want to see everyone and it's going to encourage me. So not like the five of you that like to comment. I want the whole church commenting today. Um, and I want to hear, I want to be a church that encourages. Um, if you can repeat that after me, I want to be a church that encourages. I want to be a church that encourages. Boom. And I heard all the rest of you too in my spirit, right? In my spirit's ear, I can hear the rest of you right now as it echoes through the supernatural realm. All right, so I'm going to pray us in <laughs> and I'm going to tell a story and then I am going to give you five points of 
my understanding of what an encouraging group of people or an encouraged group of people look like. Because here's the truth, we say it all the time, hurt people, hurt people, save people, save people, healthy people, heal people. So encouraged people, encourage people. And so it's important that we have to be an encouraged group of believers so we can encourage those in need. So dear Lord in heaven, we thank you. We thank you that our hope is found in you and so our encouragement is as good as complete father god i thank you that when you say and you make promises your promises do not come back void you are consistent in your character you are beautiful in all of your ways that god you show up you show off you change lives you bring healing and god we thank you that we get to be a small part of the overall narrative that you're telling here in this world so god i pray that you would encourage us i pray that our hearts would be open to the encouragement of your word and that our lives would be changed and we would begin to encourage one another i thank you that boulevard church will be a church that the broken and the lost and the beat up can go because they just need to be encouraged. God, I love you and I praise you for all things. And in Jesus' name I say, amen. And by the way, I'm going to be talking like that more often because I preached on hope. You can't preach on hope and then go like, oh, but God, I hope you. No, we're going to be an encouraging church. There are going to be broken and lost people that are going to find bull of our church because they just need an ear to hear them. With all that being said, um, Amen. God is good. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, I'm not going to read a Bible verse yet, but you should get them ready because it's really good to have your Bible ready. And I'll be starting in Romans. So if you just want to get there, just like in anticipation for all the cool things. Um, but when I was in high school, and yes, this is another story about me in high school. And Erica, by the way, I'm going to take a drink for you. Is it still in the shot? Still in the shot? <laughs> Guys, I make water bottles disappear around here. This is something I steady do. Um, when I was in high school, me and my friends, we used to skate all day, every day. And I'm not even kidding. Like, so in like freshman year, I was like a good little kid who got like all A's. My GPA was killer. I think I actually graduated, uh, I, I, uh, well, I graduated with a 3.5, but I, I finished freshman year. I think I had a 3.9 because at one point I got a B. And I got grounded for that B, by the way. Like, you know, parents, like, you did, like, that's why I got good grades, is because I actually got disciplined if I got bad grades. Which, like, a B's not a bad grade, but on the same note, if Titus gets a B, I'm like, I'm gonna spank him. Like, that's just a fact of life, um, so he can just embrace that now. Titus, like, you're gonna listen to this message 10 years from now, because, of course, my messages will still be heard 10 years from now. And he's gonna be like, wow, he really did spank me for getting a B. Um, but, uh, so I would, uh, that was freshman year. And then sophomore year, um, there really was no more adult supervision in my life. Uh, and I started hanging out with the wrong people. We started skating every day. So I'd go to school if I went to school. I mean, obviously, I ditched a lot. Um, obviously, right? By the way, kids, don't ditch. I got really bad grades. And um, my senior year of high school, when everyone else had four classes, I had seven classes. Why? Because I got bad grades. Get good grades. Make senior year easy. Easy peasy for cheesy, you know what I'm saying? And um, so, but I would ditch school. I would go out and skate all day, every day. Uh, me and my friends, uh, if, we, if we did go to school, after school I would skate till the sun went down, and then once the sun was down, I would then skate home. Uh, I did not live by the be home by the time the uh, street lights are on. That was not my motto. My motto was just get home, you know, eventually one of these days. Um, but, so I, I hung out with a group of kids and we all skated. Um, and we started doing tricks and we started getting better. And first when we started skating, we all sucked. We were terrible. It was the worst. Uh, but we started getting better. We started challenging each other. We started pushing each other. We started encouraging each other. 
I wonder if that's going to come back. Uh, and so we started encouraging each other. And what happened was we got better at skating because we were all passionate about a topic together and we encouraged each other to become great some of us encouraged by becoming great right and eventually some of us became better skaters um some of us were a little worse skaters and some of us were in the middle and the better of us sort of really encouraging the worst of us and i was one of the better ones just you know what i'm saying uh, but you know humility like it was not me it was god in me you know but i was uh, i was pretty good at skating i was pretty solid like antoine if you're watching like you ain't got nothing on me yet you'll get there someday but <laughs> not yet dog um I'm just kidding. I am just kidding. I just want to include you guys in the message because I've missed you all so much. Have you missed me too, Sidiqua? Um, I feel bad because everyone who doesn't get called out is going to be like, but what about me? Um, everyone tag Sidiqua. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> in the comments below, just tag Sidiqua. Um, this is a message on encouragement, so if you're mad that I'm goofy, like that's the point of the message is to be encouraged. Um, but we started skating, and then we we would we got to this thing. It was like uh, you know where the big semi trucks they like like I say you know like you're gonna talk back to me like do you know um, Ernest do you, do you know about this um, where they they back up the semi trucks and they load things off and so it's these big loading decks and I don't know how big the drop is but if you've ever seen one of those handicap signs that are like outside of grocery stores that like don't park here because they're handicapped the loading dock was taller than those right and uh, so we started skating around there and the big drop was terrifying and none of us wanted to actually jump off off of that big drop uh, because it was terrifying. But one day um, I got cocky and I started talking about, how, oh, I'm, I'm gonna do that jump today. I'm gonna jump right off it. It's gonna be the best, it's gonna be awesome. And the particular place that we went, uh, the, the handicap sign was busted. And so it was just like a metal pole of death that was like a little shorter that like if someone fell on it, they were gonna, they were gonna fall through it and die. Like that's just a detail for later uh, for when I land on that thing. Um, that we, we, we would look at it and that was kind of always terrified. So my goal was to jump over it, right? And I really started chickening out and I started using this excuse. My mom just bought me new Supras. Let's, let's talk about those Supras for a second because God is good. I don't wear Supras anymore. Um, I don't like the shiny look and I feel like they're all like really shiny now. Um, but this, but they were skate shoes. So they like the big ones. They covered my heel. They were white and purple and black and I was just looking good all day, every day. They had like the, they were the first shoes that I had that like, didn't stop below my ankle, but actually went like up past my ankles. And like, if this is my foot, which I have a foot down here, but it was like, they like went up to here and they had like a little neck and, and it was like, if you put you know, like a trench coat, and you like put the collar up, like my shoes had that. And I was just, I was pimping. Like, that's just the way to put it. Like I was just the coolest in the world. So brand new shoes. I'm like, oh, I got brand new shoes. Mom wouldn't want me to jack these up right now. I can't do the jump. And, and you know, people could have called me chicken. And, and I was like, no, kick rocks. I'm not a chicken. Like I'm, I'm not about peer pressure. See, I wasn't about peer pressure. But there was something that got me. So as I skated away, one of my friends looked at me and he said, hey, you can do that, man. And I was like, what? And he's like, no, I think you can really do it. Like, you're, you're a good skater. You can do that. I've seen you do things similar. You can do that. And I was like, I can do that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, just that encouragement. I wonder if that'll come back later. Um, that encouragement that he gave me was just like, no, dude, you can do this jump. And I was like, heck yeah, I can do that jump because there's something about being encouraged and there's something about inside of us how we crave to be encouraged, right? And so I'm like, yeah. And so I get back up and I'm going and I back up and I jump off that thing. And like, as I'm falling, um, it's, it's becoming very apparent that the board's gone and I am falling. And when I landed, I felt a tug on my leg and I, I stopped in the air for a second. No blood. Well, there was, but I won't go into details about it. Isaac, you're good. Like, don't die on me, Isaac. Like, deep breath. 
Okay, and I felt a tug on my leg area, and then I hit the ground, and I scraped all down my face. Listen, I have skated a lot, and I think I've only really ate it like four or five times. That was the worst of my life. Second worst of my life, but I won't tell that story because that story is terrible. It was the second worst fall of my life. I... I skid across the concrete on my face, like this side, and it's just like, it's probably why I look this way, like it just never like quite went back to the way it was supposed to, right? And just skidded across the ground, and I fell. Now, just so that no one's freaking out, like I didn't get pierced in the leg or anything, um, but I definitely was bleeding. And something interesting, I felt a cool breeze on my heel. And when I rolled over, I kid you not, I don't even know that I didn't even know this was possible. When I was landing, my shoe caught the stick that came out of the ground and the heel stayed on the stick. And so I was wearing the front of my tennis shoe like over my toes and the whole back of the shoe was hanging up on a pole, like a, a, like a half a pole, like the handicap sign cut it in half, right? It was just there like a flag, right? And I knew I was dead. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, so, but I mean, I, I was kind of half registering all that. And yeah, you know, like it was like one of those things where I came home with brand new shoes destroyed. Like my, my stepdad didn't even ask, like, dude, are you okay? He just like threw me, right? He was just like, shoes cost so much and it was just the worst right but why did I do that why did I find myself in that circumstance why did I find myself in that situation when I had the presence of mind to walk away why did I continue anyway because someone encouraged me someone built me up and here's the thing that I really want to talk about we all every single one of us crave encouragement you can tell me you don't crave encouragement you are literally lying to yourself and God is gonna help soften your heart in the name of Jesus help them help Pastor Thomas and <laughs> I'm just kidding uh, um, but um there's something in us that craves to be encouraged. And I think that's why bad friends, people in bad circumstances and bad situations, I think that's why those are one of the few things that make me so mad at the devil. And you know me, I don't like give the devil credit because we make our own decisions. But just like I look at the world and it's fallenness. And, and what it is is when people end up in bad situations, when people end up doing terrible things, usually it's not because they were by themselves in a dark corner and they came out of the dark corner and they did something terrible of their own decision and went bad to the dark corner. Usually there were people egging them on, pushing them on, encouraging them, and the second you do something stupid and get in trouble for it, all your friends that were encouraging you suddenly disappear, right? They just like fade back into the darkness and you're left by yourself holding something. And the reason why that makes me so angry is I think that thing in us that desires encouragement, I think that was a gift from God. I think God placed that in us. It's not a shortcoming in the human race. It's a strength of the human race. Because when I know the desire to be encouraged, I will fulfill that desire by encouraging others. When I recognize how deeply encouragement affects me, if I really thought about it long enough, it would turn into me wanting to encourage others. What is, what is, uh, encourage is the same thing as courage, right? Like you're encouraging it, like you're, you're building courage into your heart. And, and what's the Bible verse say that like, take courage my heart, right? Like, like, oh my heart, oh my soul within me, like why are you down? Take courage in the Lord. That like, that, that courageousness, that courage that God has called us to have, it is a God thing that in us, in us is a desire for encouragement and in us is a desire to be built up. And I think that's one of the reasons why the Bible teaches that hope deferred makes the heart sick. That when you've encouraged yourself and everything falls apart, when all of your encouragement and your hope is gone, all you have left is a broken heart. 
what does the Bible say? But the promises fulfilled of the Lord are sweet to the soul. Um, we, we crave encouragement. Um, we do the dumbest things in the world because we were encouraged to do it. But here's the thing. We do the most brilliant things in the world because we were encouraged to do it. Uh, the worst criminals you probably see were supported by somehow led that way by family, by friends, by terrible role models. But people who have changed the world for the better Man, you watch the Hollywood movie and the concept of one man by himself who changes things, that's just not real. The truth is we change things together. The truth is we change things as we encourage each other. And when there are world changers who rise up and shake things, they only were able to rise that high because there were groups of people around them building them up, shouting their praises, and encouraging them and so encourage can be a good thing or a bad thing is why i tell you pick your friends wisely because you're going to end up like them because they're going to encourage you to be like you do your friends bad mouth do they gossip well they're going to bad mouth and gossip with against you too you're going to end up in a dark corner but are your friends progressive are your friends people who actually have a vision for their life and desires and actually want to go places well you're going to end up being encouraged to go the same way you know i've talked about this before quentin tarantino is my favorite director of all time um, i'm not supposed to say that because all of his movies are full of language and violence and death and terror terribleness and nudity, but I love all of his movies. They're just so amazing. I love them. And he said that, that he was hanging out with people that were going nowhere. And he knew that if he wanted to be a famous director, he had to go be a little fish in a big pond. And he surrounded himself by big name um, directors. And now he's one of the most successful and one of the most well-known directors alive. And he attributes it to the fact that he got around people that encouraged him in the right direction. And he tells the story that he intentionally did it. He intentionally separated from people that would take him nowhere and applied himself to people that were going to go places and that they were going to encourage him to go places as well. But let's bring this to the Bible, right? We, we agree, right? I think we agree. Say, I agree. Well, you should hear what I'm, you're agreeing to first. I think we agree that in us, we all have the desire to be encouraged. We, we're all more successful when people are encouraging us. That's why when I preach, my favorite person to have in the room is Miss Sadiqua because no one shouts me down. And sorry, if everyone's offended by that, like, shout me down more than she does, right? Like, no one shouts me down like she does. There is no one that when I'm preaching encourages me more than that woman. And the reason is, is because she is vocal about her encouragement. She is constant in her building of me up, right? And it gives me the ability and it gives me the drive and it fills me with the passion to be successful to meet that encouragement could you imagine if we surrounded ourselves with people that built us up and more than that could we could you imagine if you were someone who built others up um, but what are the breakdowns of encouragement I think encouragement's a big deal and really as I was just going through scripture I saw about five points that I wanted to give you guys five points on encouragement um, and the first one this is really simple um, and you're probably going to be like, well, no, duh, Pastor Wes, but it wouldn't be a message on encouragement if I didn't say it. The first thing is, is we are called to be encouraged by God. Ready? Uh, that is important. I think it is something that we know in our heads, but in our hearts, we don't do enough, right? We don't have a prayer life. We don't have a relationship with Jesus. What's the first pillar of the church? First love, your relationship with God, because first and foremost, who is going to build you up when no one else will? It is God. Why? Because he has proven it again and again. I was in dirt. I was, in, I was broken. I was in sickness. I was in addiction. I was in all kinds of terrible things that were destroying my life, and it was God who pulled me out. I love this Bible verse, Romans 15, 13, that says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. 
I love that. I love that Paul, what he's saying to this Roman church, a church that's being persecuted, a church that um, is mostly Gentiles who don't know the gospel, right? They, they weren't there with Jesus. They were probably there at the day of Pentecost when everyone started speaking in tongues, and they went back home and started a church in Rome. They didn't have an apostle yet. They didn't have elders. Literally, Paul had to circle back, and so did Peter later. They had to circle back with these people and help establish this church because they just held together. And what Paul says to them in Romans is he goes, the God of hope... Uh, first and foremost, it's the God of hope that is going to fill you up and he is going to prepare you. I just remember when Jesus was talking about, um, he said, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. What's taking heart? It's being encouraged, right? This world has trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying you won't be alone. God is saying that he will encourage you and the reason why i think when you hear that you're not immediately encouraged is because we've lowered the effect of god in our brain i want to read you a quote from francis chan that i've read before he says this isn't it a comfort to worship a god you cannot exaggerate you can't exaggerate god no matter how much you try to describe his goodness and his greatness and his power and his might and his love and his compassion no matter how much you try and his wrath but you know it's not an encouraging message um no matter how much you try to describe these things, God is more than that. He is better than that. He is greater than that. The Bible says it's more than we can think, ask, or imagine, right? God is so big. So why do we believe that we have to sit with our issues and our struggles and our depressions and our loneliness? And why do we think we have to be hopeless when the God of heaven and earth is going to show up consistently, daily, internally within me as my soul rises up and cries out, Oh soul, why are you down take courage because the holy spirit's alive in me and there is a courage that i find in that that i can find nowhere else first and foremost christians we have to be encouraged by god i think i hit this thing again i feel so bad oh by the way shout out to little titus um i got this shirt his new clothing brand you know i'm just kidding um i'm full of jokes today and only like half of them are funny, but you know, like, what are you gonna do? Like, these are the jokes, you know? Um, but my second, and I hope that really lands with you, by the way. Let me just like really come back, hard stop on my joke and come right back. I hope that's something that you can really take to heart. What did Jesus mean when he says, take heart, I have overcome the world? And how does that apply to our lives as we take heart in our God who has already overcome the situation that we're facing? Again, we're so hopeless, we stopped believing that God would do something so great. But it's time to bring it back. It's time to really be encouraged in the goodness of God. Ready? Uh, here's the next one. This one won't preach, but it's about to preach. Actually, Deacon Chad preached it. Ready? Self-encouragement. Guys, sometimes your greatest encourager has got to be you. Right? I was watching Parks and Recreation the other day, and Chris Traeger, right? the really happy guy. Cody says he's the worst character in the show. I think Cody's the worst character in the show. I think Chris Traeger is one of my favorite characters in the whole show. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's okay. He's an overly, over-the-top, encouraging, happy person. And he said this one time. If some Someone had to tell me, if I had to pick anyone in the world to tell me that I had cancer, I'd want it to be me, right? Because he wants, because he's an encourager. He looks in the mirror and he says great things. My favorite line from him in the whole show, this isn't relevant, I'm just telling you, is when he got sick and he was looking in the mirror and he said, stop pooping. And it's just one of my, because he was just encouraging himself. Like he was just, he was speaking life to himself and it's dumb, but he was actually doing it. Um, 
All of the greats, by the way, I'm not exaggerating. All of the greats. If you look at all of these great preachers um, um, in modern times and in antiquity, um, all of them actually have stories they talk about encouraging themselves. Now, my favorite is Craig Rochelle. He says he has five things that he, he says in the mirror to himself every single day. I don't know what those five things are. I took the concept, but I use Bible verses, and I have five Bible verses that I repeat to myself every single day of the week. Why? Because I'm going to encourage myself. Uh, I'm intentional about keeping myself encouraged. God's going to keep me encouraged, but I also need to be intentional about keeping myself encouraged. Um, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, right, the verse, everyone who knows this concept knows the verse I'm going to, and I'm not here to disappoint. We're going to the verse, right, um, is when David, his, his own men were thinking about stoning him. And David says this, and greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because all were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I love this. Uh, what is a bitter soul? A bitter soul is a hopeless soul. A bitter soul is a soul that isn't encouraged. So everyone around him was unencouraged and everyone around him was bitter. And so what did David do? He didn't join them in bitterness. He got out, separated away, and encouraged himself. And he came back and he encouraged them too. Um, I know I just said it's not about one person, but imagine if just one of us decided, I'm going to encourage no matter what I do in every conversation I have. I think that kind of talk and that kind of lifestyle is so contagious that it will literally change the world. Um, but at the end of the day, why do we have a hard time doing that? Well, let's face it, it's a mindset issue. It's an identity issue. It's a thought process issue. Um, in Philippians chapter 4, it's a famous verse, and you don't need to put it on the screen because I'm just going to reference it quickly. But what does Paul say? Whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is honorable, whatever is righteous, of good report. I don't know the order of all these things. What does Paul say? He says, think on these things. That our minds are supposed to be daily filled with lovable things, honorable things, pleasurable things, lovely things, good things, righteous things. And that actually changes our perspective on life. If we intake positive, we will outtake positive, right? What comes in will come out, right? Better out than in, I always say. Um, so when you take these things in, just like Shrek teaches us, it's going to eventually come out, right? And I think Jesus said something about the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, but, you know, Shrek, the ogre. Have you seen the meme where it's like he is risen and like Shrek? Like it's an actual poster. There were two billboards and one is a picture of Shrek because the new movie was coming out and then one was a Jesus picture that said he has risen, but it was angled so it looked like Shrek was rising. Okay, it's not important, but like, you know. Shrek. But Jesus said from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the reason why some of us are so negative is because our hearts are negative. They are downcast. Just like in 1 Samuel, uh, they are bitter in soul. And so we, because David was also distressed, he had to separate and go and encourage himself in the Lord. How did he do that? Scripture? But that's my third point. How did he do that? He spoke life to himself. How did he do that? He reminded himself of the promises of God. How did he do that? He went to the God that encouraged him. C.S. Lewis says this, what you see in here depends a great deal on where you are standing, but it also depends on the sort of person you are. So what I see and what I hear depends on where I place myself. Can I give a shout out to picking good friends for the record? Um, but it also depends on the sort of person I am. If my mindset is negative, I will hear negative no matter what. 
if my mindset is positive, I will make positive out of all things. That's why I'd, if anyone has to tell me that I have cancer, I want it to be me, right? Like, like, can you be that kind of positive, right? Or are you that kind of negative that no matter where you're standing, what you see is down? And you can see these people because they're angry. They always have an excuse. They're always bitter. Or maybe they're apathetic. Maybe they're judgmental. Maybe they're gossiping about other people. Uh, maybe they just don't think about others and they're just kind of self-indulgent, right? That kind of thing, that is the kind of worldview you will have. What comes in will come out. Put that in the comments. Actually, what comes in will come out. What media are you taking in? What are you watching? What are you reading? How are you spending your time? Like, that's such a big deal in your way of self-encouragement. If you watch depressing movies, sit around, eat ice cream all day, hate your life, and think about how miserable you are, your life will remain miserable. I promise you that. But what I also promise is you that if you go and you encourage yourself, you go and you see God, even in the hard times, I promise you God will show up. And I promise you that, that downcast soul, that your heart will encourage itself and it will take courage in the things of the Lord. Uh, third thing, what else can we, we need to be encouraged by scripture. We need to be encouraged by scripture. Um, guys, if you're not reading your Bible every day and you're depressed, guess what? It might be creating its that might be creating its own issue. And I want to prove it to you. Romans fifteen fourteen says this. Um, it says, "For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction." Please hear this part. This is important. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. What is Paul saying? You can't have hope unless you're encouraged by the scriptures. That's what Paul just said. Unless um, unless you endure. Ready? We don't want to talk about endurance. Endurance is a big part of encouragement. Can you remain encouraged when the world is trying to bring you down? That's what David did. He endured through the discouragement and encouraged himself. So through endurance and the encouragement of Scripture, we have hope. What's our hope? Our hope is Jesus. Our anchor is our hope in Jesus. Our anchor to Jesus is found in the encouragement of Scripture. Think about that for 10 hours of your life. Like, why are you down? Why are you beat up? Why do I feel like I can't rise up? Am I not intaking the word of God? And what am I intaking instead? It's a big deal. Um, for some of us, this might sound like I'm throwing shade, but for some of us, if you just cut out some gossip and put the Bible in its place, like your life would be a thousand times better. Uh, but that was really aggressive, so I'm going to move, continue onwards. Um, but like, it's just something I've really noticed. Like, I feel like we, we try to beat each other down when it's time to raise each other up. And I think the reason why you don't have good things to say is because you're not intaking good things. And the Bible literally calls itself the good news. So intake the good news day in and day out and work to not be apathetic about it, but to be excited about it. And a lot of people have a hard time reading scripture because when they're reading, they don't feel anything. They're saying like, oh man, I'm just, it's, I'm getting nothing out of it. It's just stale, right? Well, it's stale because again, that's your perspective. That's your mindset. But if you keep reading, if you keep going, the Bible's eventually going to clean you. And through the months of hardship, you'll eventually find you love reading the Bible. Uh, I want, I've told this story, I think like a year or two ago, but I want to tell it again. It's of the priest and the man, right? And so a man walks up to the priest and he says, um, I am done with Jesus, I'm done with the word, I'm done reading, I can't do this anymore. And the priest tells him, wait, what's going on? And he goes, I just try to read the word, and the Bible says that if, if you read it, the Holy Spirit's going to help me understand it. And when I read it, I can't understand it. And so the priest says, um, we'll continue to read it. And the man says, I've read, and I've read, and I've read, and I've gotten nothing out of it. And so the priest says, um, will you give me a chance to help you, or are you done? And the man says, I'm coming to you because I'm on my last leg. Show me and give me some kind of answer. So the man says, so the priest says to the man, go over there and grab a wicker basket. 
So the man grabs a big wicker basket and he says, now go fill the basket up and bring the full basket to me. So the man goes and he fills the basket up with water and as he's walking, everything's pouring out and he gets to the priest and puts it there and the priest says, no, no, I told you I wanted it to be full, right? And he's like, well, there's holes in it. And he goes, well, fill it up for me. And so the man goes back and he tries again. And this time he overfills it and he runs to the priest. As he gets there, it's already pouring out. And the man gets frustrated and he goes, there's holes in it. It's not sticking. And the priest says, yeah, but you have to admit it's a lot cleaner now, isn't it? And I I love that analogy because that's us. Maybe it's not sticking. Maybe it's going through one ear out the other. Maybe you're having a hard time understanding what the Bible's saying, but it is still cleaning you. The Bible says that your spirit is still being encouraged by it. You are still getting built up by it. You should be asking questions. You should be learning for clarification, but there is something about just reading the Word of God that will encourage you like nothing else can encourage you, because like the Bible says, your hope is directly hooked to you in Scripture. You know what I'm saying? It's a good story, too. Uh, Two more points. Um, These last two points are about people, right? Um, Now, I'm, I'm not talking about God encouraging us. Now I'm not going to talk about you encouraging yourself. I'm not going to talk about you reading your Bible. I'm going to talk about the kind of people you need to surround yourself with and the kind of person you need to be. Like again, I'm going to keep going back to David. Um, David couldn't use his group as an excuse for how he was acting. I don't care how someone else is treating you. It's no excuse for how you treat them back, right? I know that's hard to hear because you don't know my circumstance. I know I don't know your circumstance, but I know the Bible and that's just true regardless, right? Like sometimes a third party who doesn't understand what you've gone through can give you the most biblical advice because all they have is truth and they have no emotion in the game right and the bible would teach us that that regardless how you've been treated you got to rise out of it and you've got to rise above um but here's the truth you need believers to encourage you if you remember i think it was like two or three weeks ago i preached why i believe small groups matter was the name of the sermon and it was my ending point of we need people and people need us i talked about that that we will not get where we're called to be until we've encouraged each other guys we need to be encouraging each other guys we need to be speaking life to each other guys we need to be standing up for each other guys we need to walk up to people and not look at like oh they're doing this and this and this wrong look at what they're doing right they're not doing anything right you're too critical everyone's doing something right well everyone who has jesus I guess not everyone in the world ever, but everyone who has Jesus is doing something right. Can you focus on those things? Can you look to those things and speak life to those things? Because a lot of times, many of us, we are several weeks of encouragement away to walking in our calling in our fullness. I am mind blown by some of the people in our church who just months ago were in a terrible place with God that are suddenly on fire from him. And it's because there's something about encouragement. It can change our lives around immediately. And the Bible says in Hebrews 3.13, and by the way, I love this verse. It's become like, it's gonna become like one of Boulevard Church's like new main verses, right? It says, but exhort one another every day as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened the deceitfulness of sin. You hear that? Exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. I love that Paul says that because you don't get excuses anymore. Well, I'll tell him tomorrow. No, 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 no. Paul says to exhort him today while it's called today. Did God put something on your heart? Have you ever been sitting there and suddenly you, you feel called to pray for someone? Pray for them and then call them and then encourage them, right? Like, let's start adding that. As long as it's called today, like don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait for next week. Take the time, pick up the phone and start calling people. Tell them how great they are. Tell them how much you appreciate them. Speak life to them and to their call. 
all. It is so crucial that people do it to us and that we do it to others. And do it while it's called today. Don't push off loving on your brother and sister to tomorrow. Because honestly, the rise of suicides right now, we don't know if they have a tomorrow. And so if you take that time, if you love on these people, there is a story. I have a friend who's actually listening to this sermon right now, and I'm sorry I'm using your story. I didn't ask if I could use it. It just hit me right now. And so I'm going to use this story, and I'm just going to say my friend, right? Uh, I have a friend who saw a friend of his from high school, and he, God told him, go tell them about Jesus right now. And my friend couldn't do it. He was too embarrassed. He was too scared. He didn't have it in him to do it. And he walked away. And the truth is, he never saw that person again because that person died just a couple months later. And my friend was telling me, like, God told me to tell him about Jesus, and I didn't. And he was struggling with all this stuff. And we had to counsel through it because I couldn't say it was okay that you didn't go tell him that because, no, you should have gone and talked to them because God called you. That is why Paul says this phrase that is so important. You don't know what your words could be the last thing someone needs to hear. It could be the thing that stops them from teetering. It could be the thing, let's not be so dramatic, it could be the thing that radically turns their lives around and gets them to following their call. Some people are one conversation away from a spirit-led person from never going back to their struggle again. Did you know that? Did you know the Bible teaches us that? And did you know the Bible shows us that? But we stopped having hope for that. We stopped being hopeful that our encouragement will change things. But it's time to have that hope back. And it's time to encourage. And encourage today while it's called today. Once you write that down, say, I'm going to encourage today while it's called today. Uh, write down, I'm going to encourage today. Just like, put it in the comments below. You just put it down there. I'm going to see an explosion of it. I want to see, like, usually we have, like, 30 people watching by now. So all 30 of y'all, just put it down there. Um, I'm excited about that. God is good. Well, I mean, it's more than 30 all around, but like I'm looking at Facebook, so there's usually like 30 of y'all. Um, plus, I know there's families and whatever, all 30 of y'all right now. Um, I even forget what I asked you to write, but it's okay. Um, but here's my last point as I begin to wrap this up. Where am I on time? 44. Whew. Five minutes. I told Christina this would be a 30-minute message, and I just got to stop saying that because like we all knew that it wasn't going to be a 30-minute message. Christina knew, I knew, and all of you watching, you knew, right? Uh, but we can wrap this up now. Here's my last thing. And guys, honestly, I think it's one of the most important things because it's something I think I don't talk about enough. And here it is. We need believers that stand up for each other. Hear me. We need believers that stand up for each other. If you're going around and gossiping about someone and where they're at and what they should be doing, you are not standing for them. And here's the thing, uh, you have no business talking to someone else about someone else. You have no business talking about your leaders to someone else unless it's their leader. You have no business talking to uh, someone about a friend. You should go talk to your friend. You have no business gossiping about people. It's not your place. It's not your call. It's not your life to talk, speak about, right? This is so important. Instead, you need to be speaking life. If someone comes to you and says, hey, blah, blah, blah about this person, your job is to look and go, yeah, but they're doing this, this, and this, and yeah, but God's really moving on them, and hey, don't talk about them like that. Hey, you need to go repent. Like, like really, like, let's just create a culture of people that call each other out for gossip because it, it ain't going to fly, right? I want to show you something in the Bible. Um, in Acts chapter 9, verse 26 to 27, um, Paul, this, the build-up to the story is that Paul had been converted to Jesus. Paul was killing Christians, was knocked off his donkey. Three days later, he was up preaching the gospel and being a leader in the community. You have no right to say how long it takes someone to grow. I'm just going to say that, and I might be being a little passive-aggressive, I'm sorry, but you have no right to say how long it takes someone to grow. Paul went from a murderer to a leader in the church in three days. But you want, I want to say something. This is so important to me. Why was Paul given the position to become a leader that quick? 
Was it because of his anointing? Actually, it wasn't. Was it because everyone else recognized him? Actually, it wasn't. It was because of one man. His name was Barnabas. Because another Christian stood for him when no one else would. Because when a three-day-old Christian was preaching the gospel and, oh, he's too young, he's, he was just killing, when they were speaking like that about him, Barnabas stood for him. And I want to read you this story. Um, it says, and when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and he is Paul. But they were afraid of him, for they did not believe he was a disciple. They didn't trust him. Because just three days ago, he was killing people. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So when Paul says, I was given the right hand of fellowship with the apostles, he wasn't given it. Barnabas took it, right? Paul wasn't, so they didn't extend a hand and say, here's your fellowship. Barnabas walked up and said, you're going to give this man fellowship. Like we don't talk about that part of the story. The reason why Paul got connected with the church was because a man stood for him, was because a man said, no, this man might be down. He may have been killing our brothers three days ago. He might've been speaking blasphemies, hating us, been filled with deceit, right? That's the key word, right? Right. He was angry he was upset he was and he would have not been given the position to lead and anyone else in the world would have said yeah Paul's not ready right but they also would have said Peter wasn't ready they also would have said John wasn't ready but what happened a man stood for him stood up for him and Paul rose to the occasion listen to me we got to be brothers and sisters who stand for each other not who talk about each other not who gossip about each other not who hold each other down and not who are critical of each other we need to stand for each other. Um, and here's the thing. I want to say this because this isn't part of the text, but I want to say it. Part of standing for someone is sometimes I have to stand up for you to you. Because sometimes while you're talking bad about yourself, while you're trying to tear apart your call, while you're trying to say that you're not worth something, while you're trying to say that, oh, you got to go do this and this and this, sometimes it's my place as a Christian to go, no, I'm going to stand for you even if you're not going to stand for yourself. No, you're called. No, you're great. Do you know that you're anointed? Do you know you're calling? Let me tell you you're calling. Let me start speaking life. Let me pray for you right now. Let's call each other every single night. Like, like, right, like real people having a real relationship and really encouraging each other from the bottom of our hearts and really having a heart for each other, right? Because um, I got I got to defend you to other people, but sometimes I got to defend you to you too. And I think it's important that we set up a culture of people who stand by each other. Listen, some people don't believe me because we all have our own situations. We all have our things we've been through. And some of us are, we've been hurt by churches before. But when I tell you that there is no one in this church who is being held down, that every single one of you can rise and move right now. If you start having conversations, if you start getting involved with your leaders, start getting involved with your small groups, actually push actually talking about where you want to go we have a lot of need and we need you guys to rise up trust me I want everyone to go sometimes when we don't live up and our character doesn't match what we need to be doing sometimes when we're falling apart and sometimes when we make decisions we have to get moved down but in this church being moved down is never staying down this is a church that rises this is a church that is about second third fourth fifth and sixth chances if Jesus says to forgive 70 times 7 which just meant always forgive, then our church will give you opportunity after opportunity because that is who we are. Hear me now. I stand with you. I believe in you. This church exists to be a platform for all of you to stand on and start walking in your call. But again, I don't believe individual calls really are that big of a thing in the Bible. Most callings are about a community raising things together. We may all have a function, but we're all to do it together. Amen? Can I get an amen? Amen. Can I get any amen in the comments below? Um, ready? Believers who stand up for you. Stand up for your brothers and sisters. Stand up for them when they're beating themselves up. And stand up for them when they're 
talking bad about us another person and stand up for the people and just be a church that stands up and encourages others who reads their scripture who encourages themselves and who is consistently encouraged by God. I want to wrap this up by telling a story. I've been reading a book by Ravi Zacharias called Recapture the Wonder. And in this, he writes a story about a friend of his who was a veteran in a recent war. And the story goes like this. In the thick of battle, a platoon had lost one of its men. Um, and the rest of them wanted to rescue him, even though they knew his wounds were quite possibly fatal. So they were in the middle of battle, bullets, explosions, tanks, who knows what's going on, but there was death all around them, and they lost one of their men, and they wanted to go back, even though they knew he was probably dead. The debate began among the men. Should they or shouldn't they risk their lives in what was possibly a hopeless mission? Should we go and help this guy, even though he's probably dead, and we're just going to risk our own lives to go back? Um, even the senior officer cautioned that the risk was not worth the returns. Um, I love that wordage, that there are people who would look at someone else who is broken and say, the risk it would take to build you up is not worth the return that I would get. And I think that is one of the most sinful and unbiblical mindsets in the entirety of scripture. Everyone is redeemable. Everyone is welcome into the kingdom. We are a church that welcomes. We are a church that builds up. And we are a church that loves. And yes, sometimes I'm going to rebuke you and sometimes I'm going to tell you harsh truths, but I will stand by you and I will walk with you and you will not be alone. And there is no sacrifice too big for the returns that you will give. And if you give me the middle finger after all I've sacrificed, for you and walk away, I will still consider it a sacrifice worth making. And I want us to be a church like that too. But at last, two of the men braved the reality and put themselves right in the path of ultimate danger. Dodging the firepower and crawling on their stomachs, they finally reached the side of their wounded comrade behind enemy lines. And he collapsed in their arms and sighed and said, I knew you'd come. That is the church I want us to be. I want us to be a church when people are down, when they're hurt, when they're getting beat up, when they feel like they have nothing left. They don't have to wonder if they're going to get kicked out. Listen, I don't kick people out. I'll tell you if I'm going to kick someone out. I'll use the Bible. There will be big warning processes because uh, it is a biblical concept if you're really causing division. But man, we're going to stand by people. We're going to love people. And I want to be the church that when you've gone through the worst of the worst, that this leadership team and your brothers and sisters are going to show up for you and here's your heart in the matter. You will say truly and fully, I I knew they would come. I knew they would be there for me. And I knew I wouldn't be alone. Are we that church right now to everybody? I don't think so. Because some people don't feel that way. Here's the truth. We can be. And it starts now. Let's talk about it. Break into your small groups. If you haven't been getting into your small groups on Sundays, please do it. Don't watch these messages from your home by yourself or just with a small little bit of your family. Get with the group. Go get encouraged. Because I said it before. How can you love people that you never see? All right, church, I hope you guys have a good time talking about encouraging, and I hope you guys get encouraged. Man, I hope in your small groups right now, people break out into prophecy, and I hope people pray for people. And I hope in some of your groups, someone grabs a guitar and just sings worship. And I hope you guys are free to be led of the Lord, and I hope you're not trying to run out the door because it's the 4th of July weekend, but I hope you are excited and a part of something bigger than yourself right now. I love you, church. Have a blessed week.